0: You want to you want to explain mixed nuts? What if?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, Pete, you might have to explain mixed nuts. I mean, mixed nuts was one of the best bands in Boston when we went to school and, at Boston University, and it was uh, a group of three uh, uh, homeless guys, who including had Mr. Fake instruments, including yes. Mr. Butch. And Mr. Butch though is like, I think he passed away, and like he was like known for being like an amazing actual guitarists uh like punk guitarists that they didn't really get into i unless i'm getting that completely wrong but mixed nuts would play in the middle of Kenmore square mostly i think
2: did you mention uh, that there, there f- were cardboard cutouts of instruments did it- yeah the
1: cardboard cutouts of instruments and they'd play like a concert for people and there was like the one guy who i actually knew the most like the lead guitarist maybe i don't think he played bass but he looked kind of like tom savini Uh, (laughs) that (laughs) That guy was like always around uh he's like my most familiar face there but yeah mr butch was like shocking i was like had like a whoa (laughs) like we know that guy
2: yeah so this one is this one is like both um it, it felt very familiar in the ways that you just said but then it also felt completely and totally foreign for reasons that I'd like to talk about on the other side of this introduction.
0: Docks till
1: death! Welcome to Docs Till Death, the podcast where old punks are talking about old punk documentaries. I'm Jeff Garlock. I'm Pete Zetlin, And I'm Matt. Jesus criminy <laughs> morehead. Every time... We do this, and uh, today, today we are going, our choice today was my choice last time. It is, uh, it is something close to, close to our hearts, but also felt so far away from our hearts (laughs) as I watched it, I think as you two watched it as well. Uh, All Ages, the, did it have another title besides just the Boston Punk documentary? Uh, I don't think I mean, so. I think that Maybe. was it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, does it matter, kind of. I mean, essentially, it was 1981 to 1983, Right. Boston Hardcore, but then also, I was very worried at the beginning that it was going to be, mostly, we were going to be watching a concert of that reunion <laughs> yeah. concert.
2: Yeah, like, so... Let me – I have some – I don't know if you guys saw this, so I'll give a couple heads up. And, like, so the the movie was filmed in 2000 – or at least the the bookends of it were filmed in 2010, which is both from the same, like, reunion concert where Mm -hmm. D.Y.S., Jerry's Kids, and what, the F.U.s played? I don't know. I think that was maybe it. I
1: think so. But it was –
2: I think it was released in 2012 – And it showed, you know, in a couple handful of, like, local theaters in Boston, especially, where they had, like, members from the bands go up and talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was directed by a guy named Drew Stone, um, who was a producer, who is a producer. He made videos for Onyx, Typo Negative, and Insane Clown Posse. And then he directed other videos for Agnostic Front, Sick of It All, Fury of Five, and Madball, apparently. so like He he's, did he's, a
1: Fury of V video. Fury of V video, right.
2: <laughs> and then he made the New York Hardcore Chronicles, too. So, wait, so wait, we're wait, sorry.
1: Not to get stuck on Fury of V here for a second. Yeah. But did he make the video that became an old punk board gif of like stick man like the main guy like in like a waterway or something just going like arms up shirtless that was like an early early gif I used to see and it used to be like a reaction gif that people would throw up on board.crucial.org, which was an old message board of (laughs) terrible terrible human beings that I learned on Um, I, I hope he's the one who made that gif for us
2: Fury of Five has, like, a lot of, like, iconic imagery, but, like, we'll just leave it at that. Like, so, yeah. I don't know... If, I mean, they I said know, my v... band
1: was pretty good when we opened for them in Connecticut at the Bristol Bike Exchange,
2: so I'm just gonna say, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Fury of V was into switch stance.
2: <laughs> he went to, he did the whole, almost what Ian McKay did, he went to Emerson, and mm-hmm. he kind of got involved in the Boston scene, and then he had a band in Boston, but then when he moved back to New York after college, it sounds like, piecing this together... He started a band called the the High and Mighty, who had like put a demo out in 1984. It was like kind of like a like a you know like a raw hardcore band in New York's right. like New York hardcore. Um, and I remember like there being like a like a bootish kind of seeming like lost and found kind of seeming um, CD of that like floating around in like the early aughts. Right. But I think Radio Raheem put out like an official s- like seven inch with like all like the deluxe like the, the stuff a couple years ago. Drew Stone also was the singer for Antidote. So Antidote, which if like you don't know, Antidote was like an early New York hardcore band. They put out a seven inch called Thou Shall Not Kill in 1983. It is like epic. It's amazing. It's classic. Yep. It's cover. I, I discovered them in the most awful roundabout way that you did in the pre-internet age, where their record cover was also the record cover for the first Cattle Decapitation seven inch same I was like,
1: same <laughs> like, i didn't know antidote like, before the first cow decapitation yeah yeah like,
2: it was like oh wait who stole the <laughs> <Right>. cap-
1: capitation <laughs> and then you realize oh they both just stole it from like krishna art uh right because i think it's just like ahimsa sort of thing
2: so there's a guy named louis rivera who sang on that and then antidote's next record isn't until 1990 and by that time they are just like hair metal rock like um and he sang on that, he sang on a subsequent record. And then in like 2012, Bridge Nine uh, Records, who I still, I comes to my mind only as making bootleg fake mis- Misfits t-shirts, <laughs> yes. like they, they re-released Thou Shalt Not Kill and around the same time, 2012, Antidote got back together and withdrew Stone, not the original singer, and put out a new hardcore, not like big glam metal record. Right. So all that why am I talk like giving all that background? Well, that's like kind of that's give us a little bit about the director, but there's something interesting in that that like Drew Stone was part of that Boston scene that he's describing here, right, mm-hmm. um, but he wasn't like in one of those bands that he filmed or like that are like the main features of this movie. but then he moves back to New York and he gets in a band that is for many people like. You know, like a, a kind of a pivotal band put out a pivotal New York hardcore seven-inch. Right. You know, like a collector's item. But by the time he joins the band, they're already in their Let It Rock phase. You know, uh. like they're like their later <laughs> day SSD phase. You know, like yeah, exactly. Like you see, there's so many ways this movie could have been made. Because it's funny, because in that framing device of the movie, all the bands that decided to do something different all of a sudden are like. You know, Dave Smalley at the end of the movie talking about the spirit of hardcore and, like, how it never dies and, and shit like that, like, mm-hmm. while he's on stage before they play Brotherhood. Like, I want to talk more about that, but it's, like, it's just so funny to watch that um, and then know what the second DYS record sounds like.
1: Right, right.
2: You, you know, it's I, like, well, it I, did you know. die at some point, you know? like <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that is
1: the weird part of if we're, like, even, like, you know, early on looking at the structure of both the movie and Boston hardcore or at least like how they frame it in these years is like, if you got rid of the fact that they're doing this kind of like concert part of it, the main burst of it is like seemingly Boston had this amazing hardcore scene. It only lasted from 1981 to 1983. And then to half of the people interviewed, they're just like, and then hardcore was done. And you're like, okay, I mean, There's more of a story (laughs) to Boston hardcore past that. But also they they do talk about how it's like, oh, it's done because everyone went on to become these metal bands. But then did just that path of like, they eventually are like, oh, right. Like, we're not going to reunite on the How We Rock like lineup. We're not going to play on that. And so it is this weird. uh, uh, Yeah, like both like they both address it and glaze over it in an odd way. Like, and, and, uh, I don't know. It did leave a weird. I don't know. There are a couple of things in this documentary that left a weird taste in my mouth, um, watching it. I think, especially when they were doing the classic and that's when hardcore was over thing. Like, it's like it, watching it is like watching a series of tropes from yeah, documentaries sure. that are. That I've been watching as being made fun of when I would teach parody sketch classes, like at UCB, and would show a parody of a documentary uh, by the Birthday Boys called Pool Jumpers, where they basically just say all of the things that everyone in this documentary says. Just like, you gotta, you gotta know what it was happening at the time, like, you had to have been there, like, and that's when it died, like, and it's just like, yeah, because you stopped Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's just, and it kind of continued. Like, it's like, I'm already the interesting, one of the interesting things I think I was thinking about that we'll get into even more with this is like how, how that mindset is already, or maybe not already, because we are kind of older, like applying to the world we came from, but people looking back on it, like with this, like idea of like, oh, it was so much better at exactly 97 or 98 or whatever year they've decided. And it's always like, every time I'll hear that, just like in this documentary, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I think you just kind of stopped paying attention. And that's not a good or bad thing. It's just other shit was happening. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And in terms of Boston hardcore, kind of better stuff was happening after 1983 and we'll get into that. Um yeah, I don't know it isn't it it's an odd one because we we talked about before where before we even started where it's like we started with decline which was such a great documentation but also we could like watch it as like oh this you know as a movie uh, maybe because it even existed before, so many of these punk documentaries doesn't live in the tropes in a weird way, and this one' it's not living in the past so, at all. Like yeah. that's a
2: very that's a very immediate movie. Like, I guess that's the thing. It is framing something,
1: right? And 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 there was a bit where watching this one where I was like, oh, this what is an example of why we're doing this podcast partly because we all have watched. All of these documentaries, and we'll continue to watch them even if we weren't doing this podcast. And for 90% of them, there's a little bit of like, why does this documentary exactly exist? And why are you saying the same exact thing as the 20 other documentaries that Amazon recommended before? Depending on what scene it is, you know? One of the most
2: generous, like, like, there's not a lot of reviews, but one of the most generous, and I, I think... Um, true ways of thinking about this movie, uh, reviews and ways of thinking about this movie is someone's you know I, I even may have been the director who said like when I talk to people they say this wasn't Boston this was my scene and and they're coming from Phil- they say that in Philadelphia they say that in New Jersey they say that everywhere mm-hmm. and for a certain kind of viewer that's probably like a huge bonus and I get that you know like or it's like yeah. oh yeah like all of these things were particular to Boston that moment, but they were also kind of like, you know, that same model existed in a whole bunch of other early hardcore scenes. I think Mm -hmm. like, you know like I'm like well this was there were some interesting things in this you know it was like it was fun to watch but mm-hmm. like I'm like what would i have really wanted to see I would have wanted to see a movie just about like Alberill and Springer like I just want to see yeah. that movie like I want to see that as a feature film yes. about their relationship you know yes. like that's that's a, like that's a movie you know the more
1: um, springer talks the more perplexed <laughs> and perplexing it is their relationship and it's yeah. in, in a totally awesome way, like, cause it is, yeah. it is the, uh, I don't know. It is the most interesting part in a lot of ways of SSD. Like, you know, is like the, the weird push pull, even seeing old footage of early on where you're like, yeah, Spring is like in a different world than right. like angry Albert <laughs> like sort of thing. And like, and, and, and. And why? Also, honestly, SSD. It took me, and I, I still am not like, I both love SSD and also can't or don't listen to them that often because they don't. They just don't stick with me as much. Mm-hmm. And a big chunk of it was Springa's vocals. Yeah. When I first heard SSD, because they are such a distinct kind of they are punkier, but not really. And like it, it. I do think it is that with that. Uh, yeah, I would love to. Uh, I would love to see a documentary that is like the equivalent of the Godfathers of Hardcore. The fun part is just like, to me in that documentary is actually like seeing like stigma and Moray and how different they are and how weird it is kind of that they've been together all this time. Uh, And yeah, like that, that relationship is so odd. And every time they'd move past, it, I'd be like, (laughs) Like, go back,
0: go back to SSD. Um, Yeah. I'm going to come out and say, I, I love this. I love the documentary. You love the documentary. I, see, I, I loved. I, I have a. Let me let me pull back on that.
1: Wow, because sir, coming because out of
0: the gate, <laughs> the quiet horse pulling in Wait, the lead.
2: Through, Wait, before, th- before, before you explain, before you explain, Pete, where did you grow up?
0: <laughs> I well so let me explain. This is, this is, let me explain. No, no, no. It is important though,
1: P am... where did you grow up yes. again? I think you told us before. It wasn't <laughs> where did you go wait, to was it wait, Matt, and was where... it in New Jersey? I don't <laughs> nope. think you grew up in no. Connecticut. That doesn't sound right. No. Uh wait, where did you grow up again? Full transparency.
0: Then? I grew up in Andover. Yes. Okay. Merrimack Valley Hardcore. <laughs> right. Outskirts of Boston. Little transparency, I full, Springer I fully, was in CGS. <laughs> That be you. So he may have been. I am fully. No, I wish. We'll have to do some some deep digging about that. I'm fully aware (laughs) that I. What. (laughs) I'm fully aware that I am biased about this movie, because I grew up there. But I'm also perplexed by this movie. So it's like I loved it. I will also say that it took me three watchings to get through it. So, <laughs> I had, when I went so back, so you to really Am- did love it. No, yeah. love, I went, the, the I went back when used. we decided we were going to do this. I went to Amazon Prime. I had watched maybe 45 minutes prior to this, <laughs> I don't know when. Uh, right. Turned it off, came back, watched part of it the other day, maybe fell asleep. I don't know. Watched, watched <laughs> the rest later. So, it took a little while to get through. But and it's, it's how you same... watch
1: all the movies you love, though. I exactly, that.
0: exactly. I just labor <laughs> over them. Same <I> room. Yes.
1: <laughs> what just
0: I what I liked was just the familiarity of knowing those places, and also seeing what I liked different about this versus decline is you could see the documentation of how things were happening, and mm-hmm. seeing it through hindsight, which I really enjoy. Of just you know makes me wonder about a lot of things about like. How were they finding about other bands? Like, I think SSD were saying, or maybe them or Jerry's kids were saying they were really uh, influenced by Discharge. And so right. I was wondering, like, how did Jerry's they? Kids. How did that come to be? You know, how were they finding out about Discharge? Uh, you know, when you didn't have the internet, you don't. You know, Discharge is probably not on the radio um, too probably. much. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs>
1: Maybe they were played on WTBU. <laughs> maybe yeah. so. Uh, if you were in Warren Towers, you could hear discharge maybe being played once.
0: Yeah. So uh, I like that aspect, but there's a lot of perplexing pieces about this documentary. One, I kept thinking, is this just going to be an SSD documentary? Because it felt like it was very leaning heavy towards mm-hmm. that band, even though they bring in o- these other bands. There's sure. also other pieces just stylistically about this that. You know, just don't jive with me. Like where they did the where they did the interviews, the okay. fa- the fonts that they chose. Sure. Uh, the, is it, the is it green the volume... or isn't
1: it? Question constantly. Yeah, the old,
0: the old towny Boston behind the guy from Tang Records. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> just that, like it seemed like people just showed up from off the streets, ready yeah. for an interview. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, because the, the walking crowd behind Double at. Uh, I think that was that was at Emerson. Yeah, um, yeah. So, it, was,
2: it was like one of those studios on the street, right? Like um, those recording studios that they have with the glass window, where they used to. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it yeah. just felt like I. I think especially with the because I have to watch everything with subtitles, partly because of my fucking hearing loss. But like it was covering over who everyone was, and every once so I try to stop it, and then I'd be like, oh wait, it might as well just be guy off the street. Like most of the time, I didn't know. Why we were listening to like Joe Schmo talk about Boston hardcore, and like they could have been the most important person in the world, like in the hardcore scene. But I there were times I was like, I wish I could get a little bit more of context here or there for that. But
0: yeah, like there was no, there was definitely people where there was almost sometimes there was too many interviews where I couldn't remember by the end of the movie who was this person and what is their context, and also what's their connection, like woman from 90210 don't know why she's there the guy who wrote uh <laughs> the the author guy uh i can't remember what he wrote i right knew now. why she was the there southie. i do in the back, as soon as yeah. she i was like Michael oh Michael i read Donald. too
1: many articles about her yeah the southie a, author guy.
0: guy there was a maybe a reverend in there you know yeah, that was wasn't the any... any
1: the subtitles i th- covered <laughs> up i wasn't sure yeah. if he was a reverend or not yeah. I don't know. He was was, the one who really liked the message of Straight Edge. I was like, yeah, no shit, Reverend Jesus.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think this movie makes sense as, like, the movie that you walk past as you're at an exhibit. Which you kind of, you know, you walk into the exhibit, you look at all the flyers, you look at all the the memorabilia, whatever it is, like a culture. Because it's it's really anthropological. Like, here's how we did this. And it feels like it should be part of an exhibit. But then in that spirit... There's not enough context for, like, half of these people. The movie both comes off as, like, this, like, you don't know punk or you don't really know all that much about punk. Here's how it happens. But then if you're going to take that, like, we don't know, like, the, the perspective that your audience doesn't know this kind of shit, mm-hmm. you know, about dialers or, like, phone yeah. cars or about pasting flyers to yeah. signposts, then you've got to assume that they don't know what Tang Records is.
0: Right, yeah, there the was a little bit of... too much assumption. Like even with the the guy from Newberry Comics, like there was, n- sure, there was a comic book store, but it it didn't really associate him with uh, the label that did. Uh, this is Boston, not L.A. Yeah. Same with Tang, <clears throat> with Tang, like no idea why that was there. Uh, it just I assumed that's a so, little it's bit hard too because much
1: because it is so familiar to us. Like I also after was like, well, what parts were we able to fill in because we're from boston like you know went to school boston uh grew up in boston pete um and then what parts are because we're punk and hardcore and we've heard all of these stories like basically like that's what it felt like a 50 50 like where it felt like what you said where it's like half of it was like when you're watching like top 100 punk songs on vh1 and you're like okay like it's just the information I already like. Why am I watching this again? But I'm still watching again, and then would explain things. So it did have like both familiarity and and I and there were times where I was like, wait, is this for people for nostalgia or is it for people to truly understand? And I get it. I you know I we're also saying this is like well, none of us have made a documentary about a punk scene, but also like do how much do you have to explain? all of punk and hardcore as well as the intricacies of Boston hardcore, but it would kind of weave in and out of a billion talking heads and then get a little bit specific and then back to a billion talking heads and a little bit specific. And it got to that point where like, there's always the point in the documentary where they stop labeling people that they're interviewing. And I'm like, wait, no,
2: I don't know who they are. I've lost it. I already don't know who these people are. Yeah, a a rule should be, like, if you have over 15 talking heads, you must give their name every time they're on. Like, that's, like, a fairly good rule. Like, an example of what, like, you're saying there, Jeff, is, like, Lolly Lincoln. She was one of the, you know, she was, like, a scene star. And I'm, like, she had, like, the long, kind of whitish, Mm kind of blonde hair. And I'm, like, oh... She was, she worked at, did she work at Newbury, at um, at um, In Your Ear, or was she at that other store in, in Cambridge? Right. Like, and that was my associate, like, my association to her wasn't, oh, you are someone from the scene, first and foremost, it yeah. was just like, oh, you, the woman, I remember just your face from the record store I'd haunt, Right. one of the record stores I would haunt in college. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't help someone who wasn't. <laughs> right.
1: They don't give a that. context. So, like, you yeah. know, like if the guy from Fat Day showed up or something, we'd be like, right. wait, who is he? Or do, Why do we know him? Um, I don't know. I I, I I had a lot of watch. this one I had a lot of watching where I was like, if and when inevitably there is a documentary about fucking uh, scrams <laughs> like bullshit <laughs> or the Western mass scene. Like, or something like that. Like, will we all sound as just kind of, like, old? Like, and and reverential to those two years? Because there was parts there where I was like, I love talking about Connecticut and growing up in Connecticut, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, but, like, when Tenfold played, like, everything changed. It's like, no, I mean, like, that parts were, they were fun, but it wasn't, like... Like, you know, like, yeah, Fast Break was cool. And, like, Hatebreed was it's awesome, but it was also weird shows. But I'm not going to, like, there just was, like, such a, a such a looking back that started to just make me feel sad. Because I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know, Al Quint would just be like, yeah, hey, there's other stuff going on, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, we, you yeah, we should acknowledge, like, Al Quint... Um who I don't think any of us really know, and he might not remember any of us, but, like, this is, like, a personal touchstone story. Like, he worked at the record store right off of campus, and he always mm-hmm. seemed like a super awesome guy. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell a story and then transition it back into the movie where a kid that we went to college with had been uh, writing him letters before we started college because he was going to Boston. And so this guy who I I think we both met, or two of us, Pete, you're younger than us, Jeff and I met freshman year I was like, Yeah, let's go to the In Your Ear Records and meet this guy who I've been talking to. He seems really cool. And we go and and Joe meets this guy, Al Quinn, and he's super nice. But he's like 10, he's like, what, 10, 15 years older than us. Yeah. And it, it was very, at that point, because like, you didn't know older, like the older guys at shows were like five years older, maybe, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like the life cycle <laughs> of going to shows was, was really, really short. Mm. And so he was definitely still doing it. And it was really awesome and really confounding, you know? And yeah. like, and it also like, he just seems so much younger in this movie than most of the other people. Yeah. Like, it, it's like, he just seems like, kind of like has like, 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 He's not looking in the rear view, to bring it back to what you were saying. He's not wearing,
1: but, like, a Guinness golf shirt and mm, or, yeah, talking about how he hasn't listened to a record since the last freeze or something. He's wearing, like, a current band shirt. And I'm like, great. If you're still into music, then that's great. Like, as you should be.
2: Like uh, He's definitely not talking about how he sold his entire collection. Like, the, you know, no. like, of, like, definitely not talking about that. No. Um, but, but, so, but okay so if they're all looking back right and they're looking back and i want to know what defines this golden moment for them like and maybe mm-hmm. we'll come back to that later but like okay so we've like based on what you said pete like it's kind of like anthropological more than musical in the way that um and in more than just like this immediate here's our scene today but then like what actually makes it like interesting so let me a couple things they talk about are like putting up flyers okay you know like <laughs> They put up flyers. Yeah, yeah, but, but this radios. is also
0: this is also at a time where like this didn't exist. No, that's true. Right? So, so right, I mean, right I, that that was the part that I, that was interesting to me is like they were sure like as we each got into punk, like we were figuring out things on our own to some degree, right. but there was already sort of a path paved before us. You know, like it wasn't totally new that if we did a show that other people hadn't already done it, and of course like. There was bigger bands and things like that, but not in between, and not to the degree of like the way that they were finding spaces and getting the word out pre-internet. Also, but I also. think
1: like, but it maybe even to go off of what Matt is saying, like it's like if we're taking something like the flyers thing, like it did feel like there were multiple moments where it's like you gotta understand what's happening at the time. We were laying flyers everywhere, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean. I think there was a crazier story like in like every other doc, like sort of thing, like about that time. Yes, I agree. Uh, They were paving the way, but also I'm like, I feel like there had to have been better stories. Like, I just like, here's my big thing. Like, and it's not that they should have gotten into this stuff, but like one of the first shows I went to when we went to college and I don't know if Matt, you were there was like the 10 yard fight show at the church Yep. In Harvard. The Slapshot and
2: show?
1: Was it Slapshot? I think I left before Slapshot because I think there was another show we were maybe going to and I didn't care about Slapshot. I think Slapshot. there were wow. two shows.
2: That, there, there, was, there was one at the co-op or something, too. Uh,
1: but I just remember, like, it was, like, early on and, uh, and like, a fight, like, started and then someone started yelling out, Wolfpack! Wolfpack! And I remember, like, uh, Wrench or whatever his name is from Ten Yard Fight was like, yo, that's the shit that ruined the scene! Like, this is the first time we're bringing this back, like, sort of thing. And I was like, ugh. Like, and I'm, this is me saying that coming from Connecticut, where every Haybridge show had a fucking fight in <laughs> a mat ball, um, But there was a bit where I was like, Dickie Barrett says Wolfpack at the beginning. Like what's going on with wolfpack like what's go and again like it's just like that element of it is like not that it's like they had to go so far in, but like there is like i don't know that i i felt like it was sometimes lacking in where it's like why are we spending so much time on flyers versus some other layer that might have and maybe it just didn't come up somehow it's just like people were just kind of too nostalgic it
2: d- yeah it did feel like they were like so yeah so it wasn't it was the flyers. So, two things about that. It was like, I think Jeff's right. Like, there are probably way more interesting stories. Whether people wanted to reveal them, it's like a totally other thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I would say, two things I want to say is like, there wasn't a scene before you said that, Pete, right? And like, I would say, like, me, like, I'm not there, so I don't know, but like, yes and no, right? There wasn't a hardcore scene, but like, punk bands had come through. They all talk about how they started it after Black Flag came through, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, like, you read like the Michael Azarad book or something, and they talk about how, like, there's like, I think early on, Um, I don't even know what chapter it's in but it might be Black Flag where they're talking about the difference between when The Damned came over from the UK and when The Sex Pistols came over from the UK and how like The Damned stayed with everybody and it just like gave them a blueprint for what they were going to do you know as opposed to The Sex Pistols who were just like you know like just like being rock stars and shit like that you know and it's like well Black Flag wasn't a punk band. They were what we call now, in retrospect, a hardcore band. But they right. were—they had their—they had their things, and you know now, like in like the internet age. And I'm not saying things were different. Things were different, but they are. I mean, like, you only had exposure to so much music, right? So, like, I feel like there was a lot of, like, weird morph and transition, especially in, like, the mid to late 90s in hardcore before people started really, like, coming back to the first generation. You know, like, there was all these, like, bands that we would see, they were like how does this even qualify as a punk band or at a punk show, you know, right. from basic yeah. indie rock bands to bands that were like on some other crazy trip that were like basically just like alternative or weird guy bands, you know, but mm-hmm. everything got labeled together. So all that's just to say that like the scene was always morphing. like the, the, the scene, us scene was always morphing new, new bands were always coming, but there was always something there before, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and so what they talked about that was, and I'll say two things and I'll try to wrap it up. but Like, they talked about flyers, the radio, and phone calls. And like all of those things, Aerosmith's doing all that shit. Like, oh yes. how do we meet people? How do you find out about rock bands? You the radio. Like there were different radio stations, right? right. And there's an interesting story. Like the da- like because the radio was important for them, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, this we're we're doing hardcore and it's like so different because the radio was important to us. Like what? Like who isn't the radio important for if mu- but music? But it's the
1: reason why when we were in college, I thought that band Semisonic Sonic with closing time was from Boston, <laughs> but because Boston even then had such a larger radio scene in a weird way that like they got some of the first play at, and we're in, like, that, like, lollipop magazine that was always at frickin', like, Newberry <laughs> Comics. And I was just always convinced. And it was only recently where, like, our friend, like my friend Mike Pace was just like, no, they're from, like, somewhere else. Like, and it's just because it's what you're saying. Like, there is actually, like, I don't they They don't connect the dots of, like, and I think it's what you're saying. Not to cut you off of maybe what your point was going to be, but they don't connect the dots that, like, the rock part... Of where they all went, totally makes sense in Boston, yeah. like more so than any other scene. Like if you've you, like, I know what you're saying, Pia, it's like this is the, they were kind of the pioneer, and yes, they were the pioneers in that specific thing, but they're also coming from a place that is Aerosmith, Jake Giles, etc. Like it's like it 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 infects the water, like it's that muddy water, baby. Yeah. Um, but. Like, it, it, it's, like, you kind of can't get away from it. Like, that Boston, like, when we went to college, that was one of the things I didn't like, where I was, like, what is all this, like, rock core?
2: There was like, a lot of rock in the hardcore.
1: Yeah, like, a surprising amount of, like, kind of, like, wank rock uh, that totally made sense when all of a sudden I was, like, yeah, like, this is Boston. Right. But you're
2: thinking, Jeff. You're talking the music, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that is like that is a component of it. But I think where Pete's more interested in, and they're connected. Like, obviously, yeah. is yeah. like, is the scene building, right? Like, and so it's it's good.
0: I'm not saying that you know, like, it, there wasn't something. You know, obviously, Black Flag was doing it. There's bands in Europe that's already happening. I just think, sure, like bands like Aerosmith are making calls, or they have a manager that's doing. It, but I think they're also. The difference is that they're playing in, uh, you know, clubs that are already set up that, you know, there isn't where there's somebody doing the legwork of like finding this Knights of Columbus or media workshop or whatever it was and said like, oh, maybe we could just do a show here instead of having to do this bar thing and see if it works and get the, you know, like they're doing more of the legwork.
2: Right. That's where Alperil seems like the, like his, his absence from this movie very strange. Is, is I mean, yeah, like we don't know what the story is, but like it, it just it's it's it's. He said, it's, ah, fuck it's, that." <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a miss. I mean, because like he really seems to be the gravitational force in that stuff, right? But like, so bef- to go back before we go into that, like it's like no, we don't want to do, do clubs. We don't want to do clubs. We don't want to do clubs, and I think a lot of that has to do with. Al based on even just anecdotal Mm -hmm. information in this movie, but it's not clear why. And that's the interesting question, you know? And then it goes into, because you can still do the sociological or anthropological stuff when you get, with that, give us that answer, and then also explain how it was different. So it's, we don't want to do clubs, all these show spaces, and then, eventually clubs. And it gives some justification for why that is.
0: Yeah, I mean, someone talks about it at the end, Uh, I can't remember which guy talks about it, about, you know, those bands playing more established things and saying, you know, of course we wanted to go against that.
2: Right. Yeah, so, well, that John, John, Jonathan Anastas, and he says, like, the line where, like, it distills, What I'm thinking of here, where he's like, you know, there were all these hippie art, co- like, my mm-hmm. parents smoked pot yes. at home, there were all these hippie art collectives, you know, like, art spaces, galleries, and shit like that, and then he's like, we didn't want to do that, but um, what we wanted to do was, um, be like we became hardened entrepreneurs like self and he used that term he used hardened entrepreneurs right like we built this thing we made flyers we booked shows we borrowed sound equipment right and that's how it blossomed so in some way he's like acknowledging there was this like communal thing going on and we just kind of like made use of those vehicles yeah and they seem
1: some of them seem like semi perplexed like they were just like oh this is what it's gonna be at my my loft my art space etc and I guess, like, that's where also, like, I would, even the fact of, like, if they, I don't remember if you're, I think one of you just said that, like, they basically were like, of course we didn't want to play those types of venues, so we start our own venues. And one, why, of course, like, fill in the gaps a little bit. Like, I just want to hear that because eventually all of them ended up being like, but then in 83, that right. changed anyways. And I know the basic answer is they got in their 20s, and they wanted to maybe see if they could go a little bit further. And they also realized they liked other things. And if you got spring in the band, like, honestly, like, of course he's going to start to, like, gravitate towards that way. He already was doing it, it seemingly during the kids will have their say, like, sort of thing. But, like, I, I think, like, that's, like, I think this is going to come up in a lot of documentaries is it's both needed, but I want them a lot of times to edit out the shit where it's like oh you got to understand and then like we heard the ramones and then like and then we heard sham 69 and then that was like so heavy and then the buzzcocks opened our brains and i'm like i know i right. know i know the list like i like unless the list is different it is the same as again watching like the vh1 top 100 metal songs and you're like black sabbath Black Black Sabbath, I know, Black Sabbath, why are we talking about this? Led Zeppelin, yes, I hear, I know who they are. Like, I was waiting the whole time for someone to be like, yeah, I don't I mean, fucking killing joke happened, anything, like, list any other element that's, like, not, Sham 69, like, I even sit and I'm like, God,
2: someone say Coxbar or something, like, give me the business, like... But I feel like Sham 69, like, that is, like, uh, like a choke, you know, like, I mean, I don't know that guy, but, like, if there's one guy, if if every, like, old, hardcore guy can name one band that was the band that turned him on, I think he has a right to that band, right? Right. Like, isn't that, like, he has, like, that's... He claims ownership on that one, but I agree, you know? Like, that's just not interesting. Like, I think the things that Pete's talking about are the... Potentially interesting. You're walking down Newbury, man. You see someone wearing a black flag pin, and you know, mm-hmm. hey,
1: we're gonna be friends. Like, I know, I know, right. I know. That's how it works. We don't have to spend any time on it. Like, and again, it's actually
2: no different. You know, that's like no different. Well, like, that's, that's what I wrote. I was
1: like, it's interchangeable with any scene. Like, that's not right. the thing. That's all ages, Boston, hardcore. Like, that's all ages, every hardcore scene from 81 to now like it's still continued just like make it a message board as well
2: but uh, but, the, but what's crazy is like they made no you know like we were saying like oh yeah like it's it's not that different from any other way they're describing it but like they're in they're imbuing it with like this like kind of force or like kind of like there's something in the way they're talking about that Well, they're not even talking about 83, 84, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. which is, it's interesting. Like they're not just how unspecific it is to what exactly was the force of that scene and how invested they are in that scene. There's some crazy kind of like, like weird dissonance there.
0: Well, I think they also, uh, you know, like what I liked about the movie was that they put almost these, they put these chapters in which gave me a good idea of kind of like, okay, this is what they're going to talk about. Even though sometimes I'd have to be like, wait, what is the chapter that we're in? (laughs) Like I kept going back where we were in like communication, but they were talking about something that sort of like fell into communication, but wasn't really. So on the outskirts, I liked that they were doing it, but it also didn't make any sense. But I think it also put up boundaries that they couldn't get a deep dive into you know, the full catalog of SSD or, you know, there's so many yeah. bands that they just touch the surface or it was only a live footage of, you know, whoever that, and then they wouldn't I mean, get into do it. do
1: I want more gangrene stuff? Yes. Like I legitimately want more, like besides the guy, like, I mean, I love gangrene and they're an interesting part of this drunk, hardcore part. That is Boston
0: to me. Well, it like, was very
1: focused on Bud the Older Budweiser
0: is fuck. Wait, yeah. what? Yeah. It was very focused on the straight edge and nothing else.
1: As a straight edge man, I want more gangrene. Like seriously, because <laughs> it's just like, we get it. I know the straight edge. That's cool. But like at the same time, again, gangrene's putting out that record with like gangrene written in cocaine. And like, again, older Budweiser and then become a pretty good crossover thrash band. Like all those elements are kind of, uh, you know, not, they're just vaguely touched upon. Um, Uh,
2: And that's a weird thing, too, that like they're a band that actually successfully like kind of morphed into something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And like that would have been a neat thing to like kind of juxtapose against D.Y.S. and S.S.D. like Who knew gangrene
1: would be the ones to figure it out sort of story. You know, I think it's also just like this is the part that I understand why it's not in there, but just like the inherent racism (laughs) of Boston (laughs) Like, not really coming out at all. And so, like, to the point where, because I'm at this point in how the world is, like, they showed the photos from the kids will have their, say, photo shoot. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, you get to see this. Oh, what's this shot where they're walking down the street and these African-American kids are coming? And it's like, that's legitimately Boston, like, in a nutshell, is that Mm -hmm. photo. And it's hard to not look at it and be like, you're not going to say anything about this shit? Like, you're not going to say, you're and again, I had mentioned it off uh, uh, off uh, mic to you both, but like, they don't, why would they point out that at the end of the SSD, I believe, classified ad, it's, they're asking for a guitar player, and it says, no fags, no hippies, and you're just like, Boston, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, like, you are so Boston, but they don't address it, and I get it, you don't want to, the whole point is not to besmirch this Mythologizing they're doing about they they, to they
2: mention it with the with the with the gender the, not gender they do it with like the kind of like the mm-hmm. sexism in the scene a, a little bit like which I, mean, I appreciate kind of, it a lot yeah I mean it's it, it's again it's like actually like fertile ground that they just kind of like touch on mm-hmm. you know like and it's like I mean it just basically is like yeah like the pit was it, and it was actually wasn't even about women and and the treatment of women as much as it was about like, glorifying how rough the pit was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, it came in, but it really felt like the people, if not the director, the the, the people talking about it, except for the woman who was basically, like, liked dancing, but then was, like, <laughs> compelled to no longer do it, you yeah. know, out of, like, for her own physical safety. Like, that, like the Jake Phelps bit about, like, no place for a woman. It's yeah. just like, uh oh, dude, you know, like... But
1: I did also totally appreciate because i was like oh this doesn't ever come up but like especially from i think the world of hardcore we all three came from that that one at least one woman who was like I mean it was kind of a sexless scene. Like, yeah. like they yes. all were kind of yeah. afraid of <laughs> sex and girls. And yeah. you're like, yeah, like I think SSD was putting on like a big front to be like young yep. ladies. Hi. <laughs> um, and you know, especially in the basement scene where you were it was just like not asexual a trio over here, basically. But like I love that it never comes up. Like they'll do the whole thing about like ah straight edge and no fucking, like, that's bullshit. Like, that'll sometimes come up in docs, but I did appreciate that, like, no, I think they just were afraid of us in this very they, Those were the way. best
2: moments. Like, yeah. those moments, like, yeah, because, like, it, it like, those moments where they're able to, like, because what they did is they played against the tropes. That's why Choke comes off so well in this, I feel like, because at one point, like, he makes a joke where he just says, like, kids these days don't know how good they have it, and he knows he, it's like it's that thing where you can't help saying it because yeah. he believes it, but he knows how stupid he sounds saying it. Like, and he's like very aware of that, and he's like making a joke about it, and it's awesome, you know. Like, he he's acknowledging and defeating choke the is
1: who I related to the most. Like, choke was <laughs> like he was the one I think I said before was the spoiler, that of like whereas like when he would say stuff, I was just like he gets it. Like, I think that's the thing is like choke felt like he got it. Like the just the fact that he was like. Yeah, I don't know. I probably said some shit I shouldn't have said. Like, and I, I also am aware that it was like it was good marketing. Like, you
2: know, we were really angry. The good marketing line. That's 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 that was where we left off with the fear. Like mm-hmm. he, like for all the people who don't get like what fear was, or like you know how they the, the role they fit and how they work as a band and how they fit in in the decline. Like, you get the impression that like, choke was like. Oh, no, that's how you do it. You just be obnoxious. Yeah. You you know, and like that's and you be tough and that's your thing. And he, you know, like, yeah, you get that. He got that. Like he he got what you're supposed to get out of fear out of the gate.
1: In a a whole documentary of of old dudes looking back and it almost you could see a tear going down their cheek because they realize they're never going to see D.Y.S. on the Brotherhood album ever again. And they're going to have to deal with their dumb wife and these dumb kids, and their job. Like, Choke is the one who's just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, like some of it was good, some of it was bad. I messed up, but I'm still doing Slapshot, so who cares? <laughs> like, still making offensive sh- songs.
2: The way they focus on things is like, they spend all this time talking about the violence, which is obviously, you know, like, like a problem, you know? Like, mm-hmm. or, um... Or it's both marketing, like like you know they say, and it's like they did it to define the scene. And also, but there's like or so. Or it's all seemingly inv-
1: from Jake Phelps. Just <laughs> yeah, that, people no, that's off. the
2: thing. Like, why spend so much time on him? Like, you're playing up the, you're actually playing up the violence. Like, right. you take him out of the movie, if not the scene. You know, like. Then, like, maybe it's because he was, like, you know, the editor of Thrasher, right, he's like, a like it felt guy. like a, it felt like a get. Yeah. yeah. But like, he doesn't make the thing. But it had one. Of, I guess one of the tropes is like, it was really violent, and you had to, you know, like, like that's not, that's not a virtue. You know what I mean? Right. Like, for my money, I'm just like, this guy seems exhausting. Like, like 100% exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, like, as a skater, I liked watching people get hurt. Like, it's like a, not. Those two, that's not an A, B kind of, like, you know, there's no inherent logic to that. Like, as a skater, you don't have to like watching other people get hurt, you know? And, like, as a documentary, like, you know, so many other things you could have zeroed in on, like, or just, like, paid lip service to. You know, it's not really a Boston documentary. It's like because the freeze are not from Boston. Right. You know, where is Vile? Where is Siege? Mm-hmm. Where is Deep Wound? Right. You know, where is forced exposure? Like, you know, they have nothing about the like the zines in here, yeah, you know? Right, like right. like Al Quinson there, talk about suburban voice, you right. know, like why play up these like the why play up to the Jack Jack Jake Phelps element of it? Because it's just like it's just not. It's not interesting at all. I think with
0: oh. the. I think with that element is that there was already this groundwork of like, you know, it was it was such a, they'd already started talking about how it was a violent scene, and so I think it it played into that, for someone to be like, oh, I just went to shows and then we busted up cars. So I think it just, I think it went into that. I was, I agree with you about the zine piece. Like I thought that the the chapter about communication was going to be all about that of like. You know, that you didn't have the internet and so that they had to do the wheat pasting or that like a zine back then wasn't about just record reviews. But like, you know, when you think about MRR, like, uh, you know, they do the scene reports like a zine back then was probably all about like, here's bands in Boston that you should check out um, to get the word out. But they didn't go into that really.
1: No, they just talked about how great Al Burrill's flyers were. (laughs) <laughs> like, just chiseled left and right. And then they'd show the ones, they'd be like, that's the one? Like, it's okay. Like, it's like, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, you can get a little bit better there,
2: but. I, I, I did learn that Choke made some of those amazing flyers. Like, I didn't know those, those are Choke creations, and they were, like, the, the aesthetic is awesome, you yeah. know? And, um, yeah, like, and, and the zine thing, and the radio show, like, putting on, like, like what would like, I would have just loved to see, like, you know, 1982, Mm-hmm. you're doing a punk rock or a hardcore radio show. What does that playlist mm-hmm. look like? Right. That's, just, that's interesting, you know, right. like... Well, and
0: I think to, what, to your point, when you were saying, like, this would be good in, in, like, a museum, you know, I think that would be great. Like, you could have all those artifacts that you'd see. Because I felt like, in, even in the movie, when they would show the, uh, the flyers, I was constantly pausing because I wanted to look at them. Or they'd highlight something of some zine... Which didn't really resonate with anything, and I I kept pausing to try to read like what else was in there, but I couldn't see it because it's too fast. <laughs> yeah. I right, just feel like annoyed for me. just <laughs> yeah. getting
1: frustrated with his pause button. God damn it! it. Blow up, yeah. blow up
2: for the for all ages. Well, no, I do th- um, like.
1: I mean, I think too. Like, it, I I know this is also like we're always coming at this from just personal taste, but. It's what you said, Matt, like, at least on my end, like, there's more interesting bands, like, to in a lot of ways. Like, uh, I don't know, this is, like, I was re-listening to This Is Boston, Not L.A., and I was like, they all, it blends a little bit too much. It's, like, not actually the best representation of each of those bands, like, they all... It's, like, four to the floor. Just, like... Like, everyone has, like, a rhythm. No riff kind of kick out. And, like... And then I'd sit there and be, like, I really like Jerry's Kids. Why are these songs mm-hmm. just fine? Yeah, like, on This Is Boston, Not L.A. Like, why aren't we talking more about how awesome the record is? Like, in in, their, in the, the fact that, 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 you know, we all got so excited about Discharge being mentioned, but it was because, like, oh, yeah. Like, now we're actually getting... Uh, I don't know an insight into why they have a certain heaviness, yeah. I would have loved uh other mentions of I guess siege and that element because, yeah, it's just for me, it's like, yeah, the freeze seems important, I don't know if I care. (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah, so
2: why was that like that? Felt like, is that is that a is that like. If if this is Boston was the frame of the documentary, mm-hmm. that would their their inclusion would have made a lot more sense. I I I
1: mean while we we're while I was watching it, I was realizing like yeah it's pretty SSD heavy, and like not until like after even though they talked to that bass player a fair amount, I was like oh they they did kind of they glazed over dys even, like. In, like, it, they don't really get so far into it, no. and, like, that was no. that's out of the, like, I wanted to know about the Brotherhood LP. Like, I wanted to know about that, war, like, you know, like, a little bit more. I wanted to know about the bass player's flying V, bass, which I always was oddly obsessed with on the cover of uh, the yeah. one version of
2: Brotherhood well, that I had. Well, Wolfpack, the demo, I think, right? Yes. Where he's, like, looking very giddy. Yes, the, um, yes. He looks but, very but happy. Maybe,
0: maybe a little bit more impact unit, too.
1: Yeah, right? Maybe any mention of impacting you know, it besides Dickie Barrett <laughs> just saying he's in Wolfpack. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was surprised he Nothing... wasn't in it. He is, yeah. just at the beginning, yeah, but, that's it. Right. Yeah, I know, I'm surprised he wasn't a talking head. Yeah. Uh, maybe he was too busy. Maybe him and uh, Al Burrell were both teamed up to say, fuck this, or something.
2: Yeah, I would just love more about the dynamics of like the different personalities and type. Like In Boston, in like, our time in Boston, we were all part of a particular scene, and there were like three or four scenes in Boston, and... Bands would play together and shit like that, but like you kind of knew where. And sometimes they wouldn't, you know. Like um, in some famous ways that Jeff, you know, knows, and, and other ways. But like <sighs>
1: some were, like, ways that we got sucked into of fighting with other scenes because <laughs> of dumb friends of ours.
2: <laughs> yeah, but like, but but then you got like so yeah, you had like that kind of like the more more polished kind of metally Hydrahead thing, mm-hmm. the basement show scene, which right, there was there a couple was, houses. Yep. Yeah the old school scene you know and then there was erotic the like, stuff scene you know the classic yeah yeah the <laughs> of classic. but and it, like but i mean like yeah like and then the old school hardcore kids and like yeah. they all everyone knew each other but like you knew that they kind of met, were going for different mm-hmm. things yeah
1: yeah i you know?
2: i think those are the things that's like
1: i don't know i i i, I do again we are not uh men who have made documentaries ourselves but I do feel like there has to be a point when you're making these where it's like what is the point like am I trying to just kind of talk about hardcore in general and also has that kind of been done like you know like do we need to kind of cover the the larger concept of hardcore versus like you're saying the most interesting part of this is that it is Boston and I don't know if sometimes there was enough that uh uh, be- what you're saying like we, we we are aware enough of the weirdness of Boston in its own special kind of intricacies that are different than the weirdness of a New York hardcore scene they're different than a weirdness of a Philly scene or a Detroit scene um, and th- there isn't enough kind of touching upon what those elements are that do make this that scene odder in its own specific right. way, uh, uh, and I I think that's also why. Like you know, there is a bit like I realized after I was like having a reaction to it a little bit of being like, oh yeah, these are. It's like watching a bunch of guys who would be the kind of older dudes at some shows when we were going there. Like like like
2: it's it's not in the. I mean, there is that like Boston, that like Boston. I mean, this one is not in the present at all. Right. Like it starts in the present, but like that show. Were there any any contemporary bands on that on that bill? I
1: don't, not that I know of. I mean, they talked to that dad and son right at the beginning. Um, oh yeah, Keegan who is in Think Straight. That immediately I was like, he looks older than me now, yeah. and Keegan's like yeah. sixteen. <laughs> this um, is my
2: dad slash brother. This is my kid slash brother. I was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: like, I am not messing with Keegan. Like, God to him. Uh, but yeah, I don't think so. Um, uh, yeah, it is too. Like what you said. Like it, it's like they. I don't. There is a little bit where after I was like, how do well, we went to school in Boston and 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 have a kind of you know deeper relationship with it? And I might know less about the FUs after this, <laughs> right? Like sort of thing. Like on a, like it's just like the the thing that shocked me the most was that Ian Mackay was gonna go to Emerson. <laughs> Like, it's like those little yeah. bits that I was like, oh, okay. Like, also, because again, you're actually talking about a college, uh, which is just a huge chunk of what the fuck that town is. Um, uh, but I, you know, I, it is, like, that's also going to be slightly the burden of these documentaries is like, I'm going to both get excited when they get to the straight edge part and then also be like, all right, like, Tell me something I don't know, like sort of thing, and I love. It. I do keep going back. It's what Pete keeps going back to. I think this, this, the, the, the describer of it being a video playing in an art gallery. Like I do think that's the element that uh, is the burden of it. Where it's like it's just not enough. It's it's not enough connective tissue. It's just like oh, straight edge. I've heard of that.
2: Um. Well, you know what? But, but to be fair, the movie here, like, I'm not quite sure it's just this movie. Because this is actually the thing I was thinking about before you did the intro. And I was going to say, like, it feels both, like, familiar and very disconnected. Our time in Boston and what I can think of of as, like, the subsequent s- scenes that I'm aware of in Boston, you know, and then even the interstitial scenes between, our, between when all of this was happening, the golden years, and then, you know, in, like, and throughout the late '80s and '90s, it's like
1: when hardcore died in uh, 2000. When, when we graduated college, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you had one more year of going through college. It was, and dead. It was dead already. Yeah, it was dead. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. So, like, the, when we were like, like you know, like up until the internet, you know, and again, I I'm doing like my choke here, like tongue in cheek, where, like, it was very hard. You knew the bands that were from your city. But you didn't really. It was um, like it was hard to. I mean, it was hard to track down that stuff. You had to find like bootlegs, you know, or or like kind of collected records and stuff like that. And there wasn't a lot. I remember that when that SSD like anthology, like that double LP thing Power. came out. Yeah, um, but. But, like, those bands, like, weren't in the DNA of the sounds that were... Or, like, the way people approached music when we were there. I, just, I don't... I mean, that's not how I... Thought. Like, even even the Youth Crew revival, which kind of arguably started in Boston, that was, like, Youth of Today. That wasn't about the Boston. That wasn't, like... That was a like, New
1: York youth revi- like, revival. <laughs>
2: like, yeah, that was not a Boston thing. Like, you didn't hear a lot of bands... That were like, no, no, Jerry's Kids SSD. Like, when they had that thrash revival in the early aughts, yeah, but that wasn't like specific, that wasn't a Boston thing. That was like a national, like, people are doing thrash again, you know? Like, but Boston, it doesn't really seem, it, it is the same city, but very much a different, like, New York hardcore is always about New York hardcore, yeah. you know? And they're like, you can hear the homage in later bands that identify as New York hardcore. All of the, like, latter bands that, like, identify as, like, Boston hardcore, you know, neither of your bands would I id in that way right they're not like you're not like playing up like the boston hardcore but the boston hardcore bands seem seem and and maybe i could be pointed to some other bands where it's different they don't seem to draw musically from those bands any of those bands
1: yeah i agree
2: i mean like i
1: i'm like trying to even go like people probably have or could Pointed out but I am like yeah what what are the bands that would be like oh I sound like the FUs the this the, like it's like I can see the direct lineage more so from Jerry's Kids uh Siege like because you mentioned right. it before but like and then SSD even not completely like, it, like, like sometimes I'm amazed that um SSD is uh especially in comparison to like New York hardcore and stuff is like, is more of like a kind of like the energy of SSD, but there isn't the like big, like a like where you're just like, Oh shit. And then this part happens. Like, right. it's just like a barrage and a barrage and a barrage. And that's how I've always heard them. And there, I guess can be like more of in my mind, a lineage to kind of some of the kind of more, uh, you know, Almost like mind eraser, mm-hmm. like Boston yeah. Harker, Hardco- like where it's just like <laughs> yeah, a lot- that's
2: good. I I wasn't thinking mind eraser that that that, that scene, that like painkiller yeah. scene, yes. like whatever, like those bands, like I can see it there, like, right. But that's 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 really like pain recent, driver. You know I mean? That
1: pain driver LP is actually like the closest thing to like an SSC record, which is essentially becoming power violencey, right? Like uh, uh, and Boston
2: Strangler, right? And like, you know, like, yeah, but like but that stuff is recent,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, but and I do think there is a weirdness to. I don't know like there isn't even after all this like I'm like is there like a there's a lot of talk about the you know the people there and everything but like there wasn't really a the, the Boston sound to me is still rock core like if I'm thinking of like from that world more so like the how we rock stuff like closer to Boston in my mind in a weird way. <laughs> Like, that's what I'm saying, like, yeah.
2: those were, the, like, you know, I remember, like, reading in, like, someone's dorm room freshman or sophomore year, like, I don't even know if it was with Al Burrill or Springer, like, an interview, and it might have been in, um, Norm, what's, what was his? Uh, Z- antimatter. Z- Z- antimatter, like, in in his thing, and it was, like, it might have been there, it might have been something else, but it was, like, um, it was kind of, like, eye-opening, because it was, like, basically, like, breaking down, like, where he was at, whichever one it was at, like in like in that like in the, in what was the present then mm-hmm. which was like 15 years later and you're just like whoa, you know like people change right. no way you know like right. um because those bands were like kind of mythical the records were hard to get you couldn't download them you couldn't even lime wire them so the like it was really hard to get over like so wait this band was different than the letter rock version of SST? yeah
1: and i only had and again going to SS, it like i only had the record right the cd i got from mystery train cuz it felt like i couldn't find anything else and i was like we're in boston and all i have is that like power cd that has like mm-hmm. all the songs kind of jammed together and maybe even weirdly out of order uh yep. and never really completely grabbed me so i never paid much attention to it until like after college that's maybe the thing that needed to be proven to me in a documentary about this scene where I'm like, I get the DC scene. Like, I get the New York hardcore Jeff, scene. Wow. Like, I know. This is... I mean, I get I, I get it, but I don't... like Discord
0: put out that record. What? The yeah. SSD.
1: Yeah.
0: Which Lisa, is, yeah, right? that's kind of
1: odd. It's but, very odd. Yeah. Wait, they did? I don't think I knew that.
0: Yes. Which record? With Exclaim. Uh, the... Yeah. Uh, the kids have their say.
2: How did Ian get around his I don't, ethics on that?
0: I one? don't know. Again,
2: it has like a hyphen on it, but it, it like on the back cover, right? Like I'm remembering this. Like it has, it has a Discord logo on it, and it's supposed to be like 3.5, yep. or it's like it, it's like a funny number. Uh, yeah. But then um, it's it's not on the on the official. Discord. This is why we only supports SSD DC bands, but
1: if it's on a weird decimal system, then
0: it could be from anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, so we need the SSD uh,
0: documentary.
1: But that's the thing. Like I knew so, li- I still yeah. know yeah. so little, kind of weirdly about them. And and uh, yeah, I think like throughout, I was like, I need to be proven. Uh, yeah, that the rock part of this is not the part that actually we still will t- be taking away from what right. is the boston
0: early boston hardcore scene
1: I, that they all seemingly were just kind of like young guys who eventually were like we are in boston
0: i like, i kept well, thinking about boston Rock. i kept thinking about this as a from the perspective of it being a straight edge scene which was very interesting to me because for mm-hmm. me i think back to you know my introduction to straight edge i mean the beginning was just like other kids going to the shows but the beginning for me was You know, probably like ten yard fight, you know, and that type of music. And so for me, that was that's what straight edge was. Or then there was Earth Crisis, and that was straight edge Um, and Minor Threat, but not this type of music. It just didn't fit. It you know, it's but I kind of like that it doesn't fit into those what I think of as straight edge music uh, because it's pretty messy. You know, it's fast, but it's not tight in the way that Minor Threat was. Um, Yes, it's just. Kind of all over messy.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, it's it, it's it's like going for it in ways that are like really admirable. Like you know, when you hear like the, like the youth of today kind of like in their kind of like coterie of bands. You're like youth of today, first couple records are great. You know, like I'm not like I'm not going to stand by all those records, um, especially like the lat. I might stand by. It all. Disengage.
1: No, never, no. Disengage. Uh, yeah. So,
2: um, yeah, like that's basically all I meant. Yes. But like, yeah, it's like.
1: Um, you just like the Ray of Purcell Seven I know. Yeah,
2: that's it. That's it. That's that's where I check in and out. The, um, <laughs> there's something. It's. Kind of like like the Habsburgs or something like where every generation like of a like inbred family you lose something you know like do you know like third and fourth generation youth crew just this like you're going through the motions you're doing these parts yes. and if SSD doesn't doesn't do it in the most effective way, I you know it's not to their discredit you know it's because it's like. Because they they don't they don't there is no kind of roadmap for what they're doing. They're not yes. like now we do this part. No no no. Now we do the chain of strength part. No no. Now we do the turning point fill. You know right. like. Um, I still would I, I rather you... listen
1: to SSD than most of those youth crew revival like civil yeah. war reenactment bands like that yeah. because you are just like how have you gotten it all right and also somehow are so boring like. Like you somehow have missed—you've missed the heart of like this part should be awesome. It should be awesome when this part kicks in, but instead it's just kind of like happening. Um, It's been there, yeah, been there. But that's the okay.
2: So that's the that's the like. Let me try to formulate the question around this now. Like Jonathan Anastia says, like we just basically wanted to be rock bands. Right. That's all we ever wanted, you know. And then later on. And you can, so you can buy that in a certain way from your, the way you're coming at it, Jeff, right? Mm-hmm. But then at the end, when, when, um, when Dave Smalley comes like, let never let the spirit of hardcore die, Wolfpack, all that shit, right? It's like, what was that thing? Right. What drove these people? Like, that is the big... Like, so if, if my... I watch these movies thinking, like, how do these people imagine punk? Or what do they imagine it to be? You know, and why is it important is the bigger... is like kind of like the, the, the resonant question. The more interesting part.
1: Of Boston is that out of all of that rock, there is this, and, and and then going to the Northampton scene and the Andover scene, like that, there are these, like, fucking weird, like, again, why Deep Wound should have been there. Like, we wanted, like, all of us basically just wanted Jay Maskus to show up at one point point just be like, I don't, I don't know, I thought the freeze were okay, <laughs> like, sort of thing. Like just mm, yeah. like kind of be bitchy about something. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: I I think it, for me, I think it just like it's it's really like the way they fr- like set up Al Barilla is like the kind of like guy you know back to Pete's thing of like these guys are like you know like he didn't expect SSD to be that way where it's like yeah I I guess I I see that and I also like would say to the same like kind of line of thinking like. Why did he decide, why was he such, like, a controlling dude? Like, in a, in a good way, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like why was he, like, we're doing it this way, and if you can't hang with that, like, get out. Like, when you were talking, Jeff, about, like, the different scenes and, like, the like, the, the house scenes, like, that the, the woman from one of the record stores, um, Lolly Lincoln, I think was her name, like, when she starts talking about the tribal thing, you know, and how it felt tribal, both a cliche, but also, like not one that's explored very well very often right. in, in these movies right? because like everyone talks about the violence but she's talking about this tribal like everyone's just like there it feels goofy so she's saying I understand that right but then she's like yeah but it also um, was important to us because we were in school and um, like you didn't feel like you belonged to those kids and it's all this definition by negation you know all these things that we're not yeah Um, and then this tribal thing that comes out of that and it's like maybe maybe For the scene, like the Boston scene, coming out of the rock scene, you can only define it in negative terms, like the things that it's not, and you get the center, and then everything else is just what it is. And it was something, you know? Like, and we can kind of, like, between the three of us, figure out what it was for each of us in our little world. I'm just, like, so much more curious, like, I mean...
1: Was it a goat shanty show to them as well?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So... Pete, can you give us a couple, like, I mean, like, so you liked the kind of like movies that do this, like the scene, the scene, the scene, like there's some, there's heft to the things that they're talking about, right? Like when they're talking about putting up the wheat paste and the radio shows, they don't give us enough details in the way that we want it. But, like, there are real scenes that you're talking about. Like, we're going to watch some movies about scenes that just, like, don't matter at right. all. And it's going to feel a little sillier. But, like, there's weight here.
1: And I will say the guy who's talking about... There's one part where that reverence talking about Straight Edge. And I was like, is this the first guy who's, like, summed up? Like, how it was, like, when I realized there was Straight Edge? Because he's just... Or I think it was him saying it, But he was just, like... It was, I think he said it was just a validation of my instincts.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. And I
1: was like, Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what, it, because, like, I remember, like, it's like everyone else is like, it was a reaction to them fucking taking it on and this and this. It's like, no, I just, like, it always seemed kind of dumb to me. And then you're like, wait, there's a thing that does this? Cool. Like, I was like, thank you, Reverend.
2: I've got a validation of um, my instincts tattooed on my inner lip, <laughs> upper, upper, upper lower. Ooh.
1: It's also my favorite European vegan straight edge band. Validation of yeah. instincts. Yeah. Okay, Pete.
2: So, okay, what other like were there any other things that like really stood out to you here and made it such a a pivotal movie that you've bought copies for all three of your daughters?
0: They've got T-shirts, the book, all of it. No, I think, I think. Because it put me in a place of, I could imagine those things, but also similar to, to decline. Like it made me think about how it was then and then what we were a part of and how some of those things still exist. You know, when I, when I think about, (laughs) (laughs) when I think about, you know, Choke had said at one point, uh, you know, the straight edge thing being sort of like a front, like they didn't really mean it but we hate you if you if you don't if you drink uh but then it's because like they were part of this inside joke but then you've got other kids coming into it who are like no that is the way it is like but i also saw this same story of you know when ssd changed or these other bands changed everyone's like oh you sold out and it's like the same story that's happening it's like we become so ingrained about things can't change. So there's the scene, yep. the band has to stay the same if they change. And we saw it the same when we were going to shows, you know, like there was bands yeah. that either we were the first ones to see. And then once they played bigger shows, it was like, oh, we don't like them anymore. Or they changed their sound and we don't like them anymore. Uh, and of course, they're going to change. Yeah. They want to try different things. But we get stuck into like, this is the way straight edge is. This is you have to be vegan or you have to be, you know, dressed the certain way so I you know
1: did you want to know why the guy from the freeze had a thing of blueberries uh, on his desk
0: (laughs) it was kind of like they interrupted him at work it's like oh could we uh, come into your workspace (laughs) but he did have this like (laughs) tiny (laughs) amp behind him it's like (laughs) what is happening Uh, little
1: tiny (laughs) amp little thing of blueberries and as the interview goes on he's just slouching (laughs) down he's just getting more tired
0: (laughs) well if you watch the I don't know for what when you watch it but in the in the end credits they had like deleted scenes or whatever and there's like oh. one of like uh, i can't remember who was like slouching and they had to t- tell him to to not slouch but i think the yeah. the pieces for me that they touched upon that i just seemed like you had to be in the know was there was this uh this is boston not la ssd weren't on but al was a big right. part of it and it was just kind of like that was disappointing and then they move to something else.
1: Yeah, which again is like the oddness that it's it's in a, it's an assumption that we all know what they're mm-hmm. talking about sometimes and assu- and and then not the other 50% of the time. So like it, it I think it's a good thing actually that we can uh use almost as a metric to judge where it's like I think we all like three of us know a lot about this stuff. How is this the first time that I'm like Oh, Newberry Comics was behind. This is Boston, not LA. Mm. Did I not know that? And then but then they move on and I'm just like, "Wait, did you not ever explain what Newberry right. Comics is?" Completely. Yeah. never. No. <laughs> like, and so not only am I as someone who thinks they knows a fair amount is getting stuck on the producer of this comp. <laughs> But then realizing that, like, I only know Newbury Comics because we went there right, all the time. Right. But, like, but then realizing that, like, I only know Newbury Comics because we went there right, all the time. Right. But, like, if you're sitting there, it's what you said, P, I think, where it's just, like, are they talking about a comic store?
2: Yeah. Like, what is this right. place? Um, yeah, they didn't describe Can I, I want to tell one Newbury. I, I have a reason. Like, um, I want to tell one Newbury Comics story story. Um, And then I have, maybe we can do, unless anyone wants to say anything else, then we can give our ratings of it. Yeah. And
0: then I got to intro the next
2: one. My favorite, yeah, my favorite um, comic story is not even my story. I'm telling the story um, that I heard from a friend who used to, an old friend who I haven't talked to in a number of years, who used to work at Newbury Comics. His name was Chris Ryan. Chris Ryan has gone on to bigger and better things now, um, very into. Lord of the Rings or something. I'm not quite sure exactly. <laughs> Game, it of is, think, right? Game of Thrones, I think, right? Game of Thrones, <laughs> that's right. Um, and awesome guy. Um, he told a story about when he worked at Newbury Comics, the very same Newbury Comics where all these things would happen, that there was uh, like a big like festival rock show in town. And you know, whenever there were rock shows, like the bands sometimes bands would come in, there was like a whole strip of like four like again, like four in like the immediate facility. And he's like, which, which one are you looking for? You know, trying to be nice and c- humble or cool to this Anthony Kiedis. And Anthony Kiedis then quickly says, So, where's the other record store? What record store are you looking for? The fucking record store that has the Orbital CD I'm looking for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is really an awesome. Bumps me out that the last thing I was going to say before we <laughs> rated was just to remind us that the last SSD show had the Chai Peps playing on the flyer. <laughs> <There it laughs> is there it is. And then you usurped it with a fucking Ketis orbital story. I you thought you were gonna Son of a up. jerk. <laughs> yeah, I thought that yeah, yeah. but you know <laughs> So rebide to some of
2: our we're rating rate system. It. Our rating system has um something of an internal logic, but it is not kind of like, you know, linear. Um so there's gonna be our. It's gonna be. You have to choose one of these four things. Is it um, a, a homemade V-straight edge jacket? Is that how yes. um, hardcore punk this movie is? Is it as uh, hardcore punk as a Jonathan Anastas fedora? Um, maybe a fedora and tank top combo. <laughs> tank top. Flying um, V bass to punk? the
1: side, and he's like, "I'm not playing that." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. is it as punk hardcore as a jake phelps punch to some part of your body <laughs> in the pit yeah. for, um for just showing up and trying to appreciate some music yeah. um or is it as punk hardcore as dave Grohl? i mean who wants to go first go ahead joe i want
1: i i want to i want to give it a girl I kind of want to give it a growl because it has so many tropes. Uh, mm. And for the element that, like, there are big sections of it that feel interchangeable uh, with any other scene USA uh, because yeah. of the things we talked about. Fuck it, I'm giving it a growl, baby. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Is it's
2: this the, the first, first growl. It's, first first it's our first growl. Wow. There you go. Wow, well, and, and for good reason.
0: Yeah. Um, Pete, do you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. I mean, I love the movie. You know, I think... Oh, this one's tough. I might give it... I might give it The Straight Edge Jacket.
2: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Homemade The Straight Edge. Wow. I think
0: because, you know, one, the movie was a little bit mysterious, and The Straight Edge is a weird a
2: weird <laughs> a weird formulation <laughs> always
1: feels like someone's gonna be like you sure you wanted to write the okay no 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 sure. it's cool <laughs> <laughs> it's the straight edge <laughs> pronounce it right yeah. Yeah.
2: the Boston University you know someone was
0: figuring out something how to do it themselves maybe not perfect
2: but you know looks kind of cool nice Matt how nice. about you Matt is that your is that your description of the jacket or your description of why you chose these three? It's a little bit of both. A, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Jonathan Anastas fedora. slash... I saw this coming uh, from miles away tech. through text chains all week. All right.
1: I put down my binoculars because I could see it even with my eyes.
2: It's definitely about hardcore. It's definitely pivot, it. It has like a pivotal connection. Um, to like hardcore ground zero, you know, but it also feels like kind of in that way I was saying earlier, like a little, a little different disconnected from my, my relationship to it, but I respect it because of, you know, because of what it is and where it came from. (laughs) I love it. That's very (laughs) sad. All right. So last, last, but not least, Pete, what are we going to watch next time?
0: Well, my friends, I went back and forth all week.
1: <laughs> neglected by jobs yes. and by children
0: <laughs> both for watching all ages and then thinking about what would come next i was consumed so we've had two weeks of full scenes you know watching documentaries about specific scenes so i went back and forth thinking do we do about an individual go off the beaten path is it too soon to do that Ooh. Let me start. Let me start with this this one that's coming up. In the Max Goldberg of the San Francisco Bay Guardian gave this a review and said it was thrillingly exhaustive.
1: <laughs> oh boy! Ugh. Get ready for a long episode awesome. next time.
0: <laughs> I then thought about <laughs> that, sure. and we didn't do this. We didn't do this on purpose, but.
2: Dude, I wouldn't I would have if I knew that you were doing this, I would have like ended 10 minutes earlier. We didn't do this on purpose, but
0: week 1 decline takes place where? LA. Where's 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 Jeff? San Francisco? Okay. LA. Week 2, we do all ages. Takes place where? Boston. So week 3, we are going to Chicago in a a documentary called what? You Weren't There, a history of Chicago punk 1977 to 84, starring such what? bands such as Naked Ray Gun, Big Black, Articles of Faith, Tutu and the Pirates. Don't know who they are. That's um, right. <laughs> Tutu and the
2: Pirates? <laughs> I think they played the The director
0: <laughs> of this is Joe Lacerdo, which I'm very interested because as another episode down the road, he has done a movie maybe straight to video called sacrificial youth it is a hardcore punk musical very very oh, yeah. interested Whoa. in seeing this
2: yeah wow This sounds so, all good Pete. this sounds all good i've actually never seen this one no yet. me neither i think in, it
0: clocks in I'm... about two hours so we are in oh, my for gosh. it <laughs> Jesus
2: Christ.
1: Ooh,
0: so if you're joining okay. us next well, week you got to watch
2: it yeah. Yeah. Start today. Start today. Uh,
1: <laughs> find a new direction and, uh, you know, gorilla biscuits. Uh, yeah. All right. So we're going to be talking Chicago mm. punk uh, next episode. But I'm going to say until then, I'm Jeff Garlic, up the punks.
0: I'm Pete Zetlin, no gods, no masters.
2: And I'm Matt. Oi, oi, oi. Fantastic. All right, see ya.